Welcome to another episode of In the Pen, part of the Pitchless Podcast Network, a podcast about relievers. I am Cal Nelson, joined as always by Rick Graham and Jake Crumpler. And guys, we have a lot of news to get into today. There's a lot of people coming off the IL, going to the IL. No, none of big names as usual, but definitely some impactful news coming out these past couple days for relievers. Yeah, it's a big, big IL day. I think it's, you know... We're about at that 15-day mark of from the start of the season, so I think that's why we're seeing all these moves. Um, but yeah, it's definitely going to shake up a lot of bullpens, and hopefully, you know, hopefully for the better. Well, definitely for the better for us, because that means we got more to talk about, right? Hey, I won't complain. We all know that we uh, we like to talk about this stuff, and the more the more merry. But we'll get into that. We'll do the usual three up, three down, and. We've the, I guess the main segment for this, we're going to be taking a look at some early standouts stat-wise. We've done just usage for reliever or for closers and for next men up. Now we're going to start looking into some stats, just some guys to monitor. Last year, early on, we were able to pick out Ryan Helsley just based on some stuff. So hopefully we can help by going through some of these stats. Find the next Ryan Helsley. That's going to be our goal for the segment. And then we'll wrap it up possibly with a mailbag and possibly another edition of Who Is That Closer? So we'll start with the news and notes. We'll start off with the guys who went on the IL. Jake, we'll start with you because this is Oakland Athletic related. Danny Jimenez was placed on the 15-day IL with a strained right shoulder. The Oakland closer job has been uh, an absolute mess. We'll get into that in a little bit more, but do we have a favorite? I mean, if he's kind of was in that mix, so who's up next? Uh, two weeks ago, I would have told you Trevor May with the most conviction. And now I will tell you not Trevor May with that same exact conviction. Uh, he's been so bad this year that, yeah, I don't want him anywhere near my fantasy teams. Uh, the one guy that I do want though, or eh, I want is a, is a probably the, the wrong verb there. Zach Jackson is the guy that I'm interested in. He's been the only one in that bullpen that's been any good this year. He's got a 1.13 ERA thus far across eight innings. So not only has he tossed the most innings in that bullpen outside of their long reliever, but he's also got the best stats. He's still walking too many guys, which was something that hurt him last year, but he's been having the most success and has been getting a lot of strikeouts. Uh, So that would be my choice. However, the A's are so bad. They have won three games with 14 losses and that's a, a 176 winning percentage. So that's just not an ideal opportunity to rack up saves or holds. And the fact that there's little backup in terms of relievers outside of Jackson makes that even scarier too, because it's like they're not going to hold leads for him or, you know, all of the onus goes on him. Everything's on his shoulders. And that can really be rough for, for people that don't have the mentality to handle that. So I, Fantasy wise, I don't think this is a situation I would be chasing. It w- it already was a very very messy and unappealing situation, and now I think it has become even more so. And we're not even sure Zach Jackson's going to be that guy. So if I do have any recommendation for anybody listening, stay far away from this bullpen. But if you really want to dip your toes in that lava, then pick up Zach Jackson. 
Yeah, I don't know if there's any more to add. Rick, you got anything more to add? Or I guess this is the most in-depth you can hear about the Oakland closing <laughs> situation. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't have a lot more to add to that. That's, um, yeah, if, if you're in the deepest of leagues, have a, go or an AL only, speculate on Zach Jackson. Other than that, just just stay away from this and you'll be, you'll be fine. You'll be happy. Perfect. And since we talked about Jake's favorite team, we'll move over to your favorite team with the Boston Red Sox. Chris Martin was placed on the 15-day IL with right shoulder information. No, he wasn't the the closer. Obviously, it's Kenley Jansen, but he was kind of trying to get the ball to Kenley Jansen. So how does this impact the Boston bullpen? Who steps up as the next man up out there? What's your read out there? Um, It probably, yeah, it's going to elevate... You know, the guys behind him, like John Schreiber, um, you know, I think he becomes the clear-cut eighth, eighth inning guy, and uh, they'll probably piece it together from there. I know they they still trust Ryan Brazier and they, you know, the rest of the bullpen, and, but, you know, Josh Minkowski pitched the seventh inning today in a tie game. That's a name that you guess you can file away. He's looked better as a reliever than he did as a starter, so. Kind of an interesting, interesting arm with a good, good breaking ball, but um, that, that's just more of a deep league, you know, watch list guy. So, you know, I, I, I don't know the timeline of Martin's injury, but you know, his age and shoulder injury, probably it could be, could be a while. So, um, even if you're in holds leagues, I think he's worth dropping unless you have a deep IL, deep, you know, I, a lot of IL slots. So, um, yeah, that's this, you know. I think Jansen's really the only guy, and Schreiber in some holds leagues that that you want to look at in the Boston bullpen. Yeah, I don't know if there's much more to add out there, Jake. You got any other read, or we'll trust the resident uh, Red Sox fan. No, I definitely trust Rick there. There's not too much to chase in in terms of fantasy or or holds in that bullpen. Nobody's really standing out, but Schreiber's looking like he's going to repeat last season's uh, breakout. Yeah, so there's a name if you're in a saves plus holds league, if you're looking for holds or um, potentially ratios, Schreiber could be a good name to pick up there. Let's move over to the better news, guys, for coming off the IL. And this will start off in Colorado. Great news out there. Daniel Bard has begun his reassignment, actually rejoined the team in Colorado. I, I'm not sure. Did I see anything differently? He did not get activated as of Tuesday, correct? Or is he just uh, with the team now, but didn't officially get activated yet? I, I believe, yeah, I believe that's right. He's just with the team, but it hasn't been activated yet. So maybe tomorrow. Okay, I'm saying I keep monitoring that closely, but he threw a rehab assignment and looked like Daniel Bard. He threw in one full inning, struck out three. I believe he gave up one hit, but you know he seems to have figured out figured out what was going on, dealt with the anxieties, took his time with that, which we're happy to hear. So he's going to be returning to Colorado. Does he jump right back in to you guys as the closer out there of how Pierce Johnson's been throwing? Does this go on the committee? What's your read for the Colorado situation moving forward with this news? Yeah, it could be they might they might, you know, put him, you know, take their time putting him back into the closer role. Um but it's going to happen eventually. It's uh, Pierce Johnson's been pretty he's been pretty good. He had that one really bad outing. Um but he's he's been you know he's filled in admirably and he'll go back into a setup role where you can probably forget about him in most leagues. But you know Bard's still the, the guy to roster here and 
I think, you know, I've seen him available in a few leagues. Uh, I think people just didn't really, I mean, early on in the season, didn't have patience. So if he's there, I mean, scoop him up if you, if you need saves, because I think, you know, like it or not, whether he pitches great or not, he's going to be the closer there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's a great guy to keep an eye on. I'm not sure if people had been stashing because we weren't as high on him, but it's great news. And like you said, he's likely going to take the job, follow the money. He's clearly getting paid the most out in Colorado. So I expect him to take the job, if not one or two outings in very soon after that. Pierce Johnson has been filled in fine, but he's not, nothing to uh, hold off Daniel Bard. And then he'll likely return to saves. But how many saves of Colorado? Who the heck knows? But, but the next guy activated from 15 dials was someone we were interested in early in the offseason. That's Brandon Hughes. He was activated and will be returning to the Chicago Cubs. We thought he was going to be going into the mix in Chicago until our good friend Jake talked us out of that and went on to the Michael Fulmer bandwagon. Now Brock's Brad Boxford out there. So what do we expect from Brandon Hughes? He mixed and match into this or because of our concerns with him being a lefty, is that where he just ends up? Yeah, I mean, well, it's an interesting timing because, you know, Fulmer is starting to, you know, he's got he has Boxberger now on his heels and that job might be opening up. So we'll see. I mean, I don't I don't have the most trust in Brad Boxberger. If you watch that outing the other day, he got bailed out by like a bunch of calls. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, it just really wasn't fair for the Dodgers headers where he was getting calls. So. Um. Yeah, it's you know Fulmer's pitched well. I, I I still think he's their best option at this at this point. And like you said, there's only this. He's still yeah. He's the only lefty in that bullpen. So now he becomes mm-hmm. you know their lefty out guy. Hopefully, so that leaves Fulmer in the role. Yeah, I agree. I think the situation still hasn't changed in terms of you know Hughes's handedness holding him back from taking over that role. I was surprised in that last game uh, on Sunday when Boxberger stole the save that it wasn't Hughes. They had two lefties coming up in that inning, and I thought that's why they weren't going to let Fulmer go two innings to get that save. But they did go to Boxberger there, so that was sort of confusing. But maybe they wanted to ease Hughes back into the back into the major leagues. But you know, I I still have confidence in Fulmer, and in fact, it's actually grown. He's been so good this season in terms of underlying numbers i know he's blown a couple saves i think maybe he's just blown one but he's had a couple weird outings and uh he hasn't been completely dominant in terms of like run prevention he's got a 3860 array across seven innings right now but he is striking out guys at an insane rate that we've never seen from him and he's also not walking anybody which was always the one thing that held him back right now he's at a 38 percent strikeout rate and a three and a half percent walk rate that's really good. So I, I I have even more faith in him right now because I think that the Cubs are doing a good job of helping him reach a next level in, in terms of using the, like getting the most out of his pitch mix uh, and getting efficiency out of uh, how he uses his pitches and stuff. So I think that's uh that's super cool that they're maximizing his potential right now. And I think we're, we're seeing that and it's just going to take a larger sample size for that to play out in his run prevention and hit prevention numbers. Another notable lefty returned from the IL this past, uh, from the past couple of days, Joe Mantiply was activated from the 15 day IL for the Arizona Diamondbacks. He's been a guy we've been mentioning a lot just based on the absolute, 
I don't even know how to describe the Arizona Diamondbacks bullpen at this point. Just mess in terms of who's the favorite. We have an idea of who's the lead guy, but does Joe with Andrew Chafin, but does Mantiply's return complicate that at all? Uh, you know, I it probably helps Chafin's case because now you have another yeah. lefty you can trust. And again, I think I mentioned it last week that Kyle Nelson's been pitching pretty well for them too. So now you have two two pretty good lefties you can you can use earlier on in the game, and you can save Chafin for save situations and you know it's honestly for them that's they got to find like some right righties in that bullpen outside of Miguel Castro is really the only one they can trust um on the right side right now so um that's that's really the thing there yeah and I was thinking after McGuff took another loss on Saturday that like he's probably done for high leverage for at least the rest of the month so I think if anybody's going to be splitting saves with Chafin right now it's going to be Castro Mantiply probably needs to be eased in to his role and I think your your point about Chafin Chafin's role being even more secure now that Mantiply is around that's exactly what I was thinking as well because they have so many left-handed options now it's they have no reason not to turn to Chafin in the ninth and I apologize to you, Jake. I broke the uh, cardinal rule, which we talked about last week, in not mm-hmm. referring to Mantiply as all-star Joe Mantiply. So exactly. I apologize for that. That's a, an oversight on my part. I appreciate so that. So we'll, the last couple moves, you know, we'll we'll mention them and we'll see if any of this. Andre Palante was optioned to the minors. It's not as big of a deal for the Cardinals bullpen. Just a name to monitor. The other two, Lucas Sims was activated in 15-day IL for the Cincinnati Reds. He was a guy Rick and I have kind of gone back and forth with last year, so I wonder if he gets some opportunities to get the ball to Alexis Diaz. And Daniel Hudson was transferred to the 60-day IL, opening the way potentially for Evan Phillips to claim that job. So of those moves, any fantasy impact there? The Hudson move definitely hurts. That that one hurts because I really was on board the Daniel Hudson as the Dodgers closer train early on before we started finding out that he wasn't going to be ready to start the season. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's, you know, not ideal that this, that he still hasn't been able to, uh, recover from this, this knee injury. Um, and now 60 days is going to put him back to maybe what we're, we're talking June now. So that's a tough one, but, uh, Lucas Sims returning. That's keep an eye on that. Yeah. At least, at least in holds leagues. Cause oh. I think Diaz is pretty safe there. And even though he has a six year a striking out 53% of batters, but the, that bullpen is bereft of talent outside of Diaz. So I think Sims gets into that setup role pretty quickly. Yeah, he should. And yeah, yeah I, I put Payante on there just because I was so surprised that he's been optioned. It's like sort of the same thing as Dylan Coleman that we talked about last week, where it's just like mm-hmm. a guy that had a, a breakout year last year and sort of looks like he has a lot of potential in just like a small sample size of five or six innings. The team's already deciding that, oh, they need work in the minor league. So I... I continue to wonder who's the next random guy that we thought was, you know, a solid member of a bullpen to be sent down. It's uh pretty harrowing that just knowing that any anybody's uh up for grabs to be sent down to the minors at any point. Yeah, it's been a crazy start to the season. Yeah, I like I said I wonder who the the next guy to be in, but you said at the pre show if Andre Piante can set down, why wouldn't Jordan Hicks be? He's having just as a rough of a start to the year but it's gonna be interesting i'm sure next week we'll have another name where it just comes up and it's like 
uh, wait, he got sent down too. So we'll monitor that closely. But move on over to some standouts in the past week of uh, three up, three down. We'll start with the risers in the ranks, and we'll start with you, Rick. Give me one guy who's moving up in the ranks based on their uh, their past week. Um. Well, I guess we can just since we've already talked about him a little bit, and that's Andrew Chafin. Um, you know, not only is it like he got his sec- second save of the month, third save of the year, uh, the other day. And not only is he looking like, you know, the favorite for saves there, he's also pitching. He's he's having one of the better years of his career. And, you know, it's, it's early, but he's missing bats at an elite rate. He's got a 23.1% swinging strike rate so, so far, which, you know, it might be surprising if you look at his strikeout numbers throughout his career. But his, his slider has always had, a, a, you know, great ability to, to get swings and misses. So um, doesn't really not too shocking you know, to me here to see him get more you know, more swings and misses, um, you know, that plus I, I think this Arizona team's going to, going to win some games and he's going to be, you know, he's going to have plenty of opportunities. And like we said earlier with man supply back, you know, they shouldn't feel the need to save him, to reserve him for, you know, lefty only situations. Yeah. And just, uh, support your point on that slider it's got a 97th percentile swinging strike rate right now at 37 and a half percent that's among relievers 97th percentile so it's definitely putting in some work this year and just to have that as your main pitch it doesn't really matter what else you have as long as you're throwing that majority of the time so yeah it uh, it bodes well for him going forward that he's striking out so many batters because even if he doesn't get 100% of the saves, he's still going to be a really great reliever in terms of run prevention and strikeout numbers. I think he's done a great job of emerging in that job. I will say, based on what we talked about with Joe Mantiply, monitor situation. Yes, there are a lot of lefties, and that should keep Andrew Chafin's job secure. But they'll more likely go for him, more than likely end up to set up as a closer. But just monitor it. When you get an all-star back, they may want to put him in the high leverage and mix and match sort of thing so i would just say monitor that a little closer i would tend to agree but you never know if these bullpens especially a bullpen like the arizona diamondbacks but jake we'll move over to you who is someone who's uh moving up based on their performance last week Uh, i'll head over to the al central and talk about alex lang he hasn't really been helping out fantasy teams massively he's got one save this year but he does have a sub three era and he just locked down a win today as well in their double header the reason that he's moving up though is that it's pretty clear that he's the closer there they just keep using him in the ninth inning whether that be a game in which they're losing or or tied it just it does seem like he's the most trusted reliever there his strikeout numbers are down and he's not throwing nearly as hard as he was last year. It's close. It's not like a, a massive difference. It's only a mile per hour right now. But I do have a lot of faith that he's going to maintain this role for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I mean, we saw, we talked about last week, the combination of Chase and Shreve and Trey Wintinger attempt to get a save. So it's nice to see that the, uh, the Tigers are going back to the guy we all thought it was going to be. Rick, anything else you want to add about uh, Alex Lang? Um, no, I mean, I think he's going to, I think he'll even get better as, you know, the year goes along. He, he's not, he doesn't have a ton of strikeouts right now, but, um, he's, he's been facing a lot of lefties compared to, you know, league average. So I think once he starts getting righties, that breaking ball will start playing, playing up to, you know, allow for more strikeouts for him. Yeah. And I'll wrap up with the three up. I'm going to go 
off script, we have another name on here, which we may want to bring up at some point, but a name I want to just mention, I talked about him in a, a live chat I did in our Discord today, but AJ Puck would be rising up in my ranks. Two straight days now with the save for the Miami Marlins on Monday and Tuesday. We've talked about that. He just continues to establish himself as the guy in Miami. It has been something that's been oh, it's a question mark in a year of will they actually use him in that role? Will we use him in a hater-esque role, you know, eighth into ninth? He's just been the guy. And even when he hasn't gotten the save, he's been the one to close out a non-save situation or preserve a lead in the, or preserve a deficit in the ninth. They're using him late in games and trying to get him to be that high-end reliever. And he's done nothing but continue to take that job, two strikeouts in those two games. So... I've been very impressed with uh, AJ Puck, and I think he's emerged as a a great high leverage guy and the easy go to guy for Miami Marlins in the back end there. Yeah, um, for sure. I, I I think he's you know Tanner Scott got a save the other day, but I don't think that's anything to worry about. I think this is going to be Puck's you know the bullpen moving forward, and you know he's so far so good. So um, yeah, good call. All right, so let's move over to the fallers over the past week, and we'll start with you again, Rick, uh, who's someone who's fallen over the past week. I'll go with I'll go with Michael Fulmer just because I don't want to burden Jake with that after we talked about that. <laughs> and and I understand he is pitch like from a statistical. I mean, he, he's pitching well. He, he's got some yeah. bad luck. Um, definitely, definitely bad luck. But yeah, it's just a. The only reason he's moving down is the concern with, you know, the role. Just is this Boxberger going to figure into more save chances? Is Hughes coming back, you know, change things also? I mean, Alzale has been pitching really well. There's there's a lot of, there's some other options there that, you know, have been great. So I, I'm not so, con- I'm not concerned. Fulmer in, you know, save hold leagues, I'm not that concerned. But if you're in save only leagues, yeah, it's starting to, it's I, I think there's other guys that, you know, like Alex Lang, I think I'm still taking over over Fulmer at this point just because of the job security. Yeah. So it's not really like a, a performance thing. It's a personal thing, right? It's it's not personal. It's never personal. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's always personal. It's definitely personal, especially when I purposely put Red Sox guys in the fallers. Yeah, it's definitely personal. <laughs> oh, I mean, wow. Wow. Yeah. No, that's it's it's fair points because yeah, that bullpen is a lot more stacked than I think we thought going into the season and the fact that we have even guys that we didn't consider at all emerging as well in like Mark Leiter Jr. coming out and striking out the whole world. Uh yeah, it great good point that like it's just his role right now that's uncertain and I we can just blame all of that on David Ross and feel better about our fantasy decisions. Yes, it's not the pri- it's not us that's wrong. It's David Ross that's wrong. That's exactly that's how we're gonna go about it. I, I like to hear that. So, Jake, let's talk about another guy who we weren't wrong about. It's the managers that's wrong. That's causing him to be falling down. Yeah, who is that? <laughs> I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I I guess we could just say in Oakland where. Th- uh, who even is the closer, right? So right now, just the the list is just empty, right? He's falling down the list. Who's falling down the list? We don't know. Yeah, so that's uh, our next, I guess, guy. We, we'll take an L on. We, on the show, we're very in on Trevor May this year as mm-hmm. a value at his draft cost. And um, that does not look worked out too well. So 
we'll do better next time, guys. We promise. But um, yeah, I think that's an easy fall. I, I'm sure the answer to this we we know, but are you dropping Trevor May? Are you dropping any reliever in Oakland at this point? Or do you still want to hold for saves? Who who still has Trevor May on their team? There's somebody. There has to be. I have the only I do. Well, I have him on my Raz Slam team because I forgot to do Fab, so he's still on there. So that's the only reason he's on any of my my team. So I guess you can't blame people for forgetting to take him off their team. But yeah, I don't think anybody is actively like vouching to keep Trevor May on their teams. But uh, I'm curious who Rick plans to put on the list. Um. Kind of just leave it empty. I <laughs> you can just put a uh, just put Oakland thirty spot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oakland. Oakland. Just no. Not yeah. not even a name. Just put no. Oakland. No. <laughs> not even a ranking. Just no. I it's, mean, uh, yeah, I would probably put Zach Jackson just because I don't. There's no other real. There's really no other reliever to mention mm-hmm. at this point. That you're not. I mean, jurors. It's not familiar. It's not. It's no. We're not doing the walk that. numbers. The walk numbers are crazy for that whole team too. It's like yeah. at, nobody <laughs> it's, has a positive walk to strikeout ratio, which you rarely ever see in general. And to have a whole bullpen where everybody is walking more than they're striking out, it's uh, something I've never seen. Familia has six walks to three strikeouts, and Trevor May has eight walks to six strikeouts. And so Zach mm. Jackson looks like a god with ten strikeouts to six walks. So yeah, I mean, even like elsewhere in the bullpen where it's just like, oh, like we don't really care about these guys. But Sam Mole even has four walks to three strikeouts. So it's like nobody in that bullpen has control over their stuff. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. But uh, yeah, it's, it's not a major league bullpen that you know. No, that you can you can. That's, I don't even know if it's a triple ownership bullpen. about that. Yeah, it's. Um, you don't want to spend money, then that's what this is going to be the result. Yeah. Yeah. I will say this as we're recording this. Jose Quijada has just come in for another save for the Ooh, Los Angeles wow. Angels against the New York Yankees as I watch Aaron Hicks take a fastball and strike out looking. Not about Aaron Hicks podcast, but if you're looking for saves in the Angels, I think we know the answer at this point. I think it's, I think it's Quijada. Estevez came in the seventh, but that's unrelated to the down. But just as I'm watching the Yankees, I had to, uh, to bring that up. And the final guy that's uh, a faller in my eyes it's our weekly reminder. Ryan Presley. He has not pitched since April 11th when he went a third of an inning and gave up three runs. I don't know how much longer he's going to have this job if he even has a job at this point. I'm very, very concerned. If I do have him, I might try and I'm at the point now where it's sell, jump. Let's just get off this ship and see if someone's still willing to buy in the Ryan Presley. I'm just, I'm over it. Do you have guys anything more to add on him or is it just, you know, this is... I'm sure you have more in-depth, I guess, analysis mm-hmm. of it, but I'm just, I'm selling. I'm off. I'm jumping off the boat. <laughs> I might hold a little bit longer just because I, I don't, well, I just don't know what's going on with him because he hasn't, mm-hmm. yeah. he hasn't pitched. He hasn't appeared in a week. Um, there's been no news about, you know, he hasn't, you know, usually even if closers, if there's no save opportunities, you're going to get some appearances just to, you know, stay fresh, but he hasn't even pitched in a game in a week. So. I um yeah I, I guess I because where you drafted him it's kind of unless you can get something in a trade and then sure go for it but where you, most people have drafted him it's it's kind of hard to give up on him now um this early I feel and I 
I just, I don't know. I, I'm not ready to give up quite yet because on the surface, I mean, he's his underlying stats at least are, are, are they're looking, they look fine. He's had two bad outings. Um, still getting swings and misses. Still kind of looking like his normal self. The velo's down just like a, t- a mile per hour. So I'm not concerned. It's about him on the field. It's just why isn't he pitching and what's because he was dealing with that thing to begin the year, like some sort of illness or some mysterious mm-hmm. illness, and now he's missed. He's missed another week. So it's like whenever he has a bad outing, he just goes <laughs> missing for like days, and it's it's kind of confusing and just mysterious at this point. Yeah. Do you guys remember how he performed in the World Baseball Classic? I don't. I feel like it wasn't anything not great, notable. Yeah. yeah. I can't remember, but mm. I have I'm trying to, to. I'm trying to look it up. Yeah, I'll have to look into that. But definitely monitor this. It's it's getting to a a very very rough point. If you are I feel a Ryan Presley like, manager, I feel like it just has to be like a, a mental thing or something going on because I, it just it just seems so weird that he would have that unexplained. I'm doing air quotes right now. Illness, and then miss a whole week after allowing a walk off home run. I, I don't want to make light of like mental struggles or anything, but I feel like that could be the case or maybe he's just still distraught over the team USA losing in the WBC championship. So it's, uh, it's hard to figure out, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to take anything from this small sample, but the fact that he's just not pitching at all is really concerning. So I think he's got to move down just because we have not seen him. Yeah, monitor the situation closely. I'm getting he didn't even pitch the Astros are up four nothing in in their current game as we're recording this and we haven't seen him yet, so we'll monitor that, but yeah, lots a lot of notable stuff going on in Houston. So we'll take a quick break. When we get back, we are gonna dive into some standouts in terms of some early notable stats. Anybody from this list we should be monitoring, things like that. Just some names to keep an eye on as we move forward into the season. We'll do that and more here on In the Pen. All right, let's jump into some of the early notable stats. Last year, we picked up on some standouts. There's some stats that we've found are uh, able to stabilize at this point into the season. So, uh, you know, a couple different ones, you know, Eno Saris' stuff plus. We got K to walk ratio, K to walk percentage, swing strike rates. So, a lot of good stuff, lots of names to mention. So, we'll just start with a, a little. A little introduction to this, Jake. I know you kind of looked into how stable some of these are. So, if you have any uh, background of why we chose these or what's uh, how much they, how stable they are, uh, I'm sure, sure. people would love to know. Yeah, well, I wish I could do this myself, but uh, I used uh, some help from the internet, from Fangraphs specifically, because I'm not a stats guru, but uh, from a Fangraphs post from 2016 by Jonah Pemstein, uh, titled A Long Needed Update on Reliability. It has a chart in there that shows the stabilization rates of stats and that sort of in 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 layman's terms that means like how quickly a stat becomes reliable whether like whether or not the current rate of that stat will be is telling of what it's going to be for the rest of the season and most stats take a large sample to stabilize to become reliable to become something that you can look at and say okay this means something and 
there's still though, there's still a couple that really stabilize super quickly where you can look at it after even 50 plate appearances or 50 batters face and say that that's something that could stick through the, throughout the year. So we're sort of a week or so away from most relievers reaching that 50 plate appearance threshold. It might be a week or two for some guys. Um, but I think now's a good time to get ahead of that and sort of start identifying guys that are getting near that 50 plate appearance threshold and, and identifying them as guys that have either a new skill or a skill that's transferred over from last year or just are pitching notably well. And I think now's a good time to do that just so that our listeners are even a step ahead of the people that know when these stabilization rates are, are being reached. So I think now's a good time to look at, you know, stats like swinging strike rate and strikeout rate that stabilize after 50 plate appearances or, or fastball velocity that sta- that's, you know, that's like a, a one pitch type thing right there. It's like max exit velocity. But uh, yeah, so just getting ahead of the ball and, and identifying risers and stuff right, as early as possible. So we'll start with swinging strike rate. I'm not going to, we have the top 15 guys out there. Some notable names on this list. Felix Bautista, number two at 26.9%. Chiva Gallegos at three with 26.6%. Luis Ortiz, it's actually the Philadelphia in one inning has the highest rate. Okay, but still interesting. Andrew Chafin, we mentioned him a lot. He's seventh at 23.1%. And then you could go down through the list. So, Rick, anybody from this list? I know we've mentioned a couple, but I'm sure there are some more. Anybody in the top 15 that you want to mention as a, a standout, someone you didn't expect, someone we should monitoring based on uh, on the swinging strike rate? Well, I think as we get through, as we go through like these these numbers and these lists, there's going to be a couple names that show up on you know multiple multiple times. I think those are the guys that you know we're going to want to yeah. keep an eye on. That's you know Jose Alvarado, Araldus Chapman. Um, Definitely, definitely names who may not be closing now. I know Alvarado got a save today, and I just I think we need to to mention. Did you guys see the actual the Phillies bullpen today in that in that first game? No. So it went Soto. I think it was Soto, Kimbrel, Sir Anthony Dominguez, Alvarado. They each pitched an inning. Each didn't allow a base runner, and each had two strikeouts. Which is that was the plan. That was kind of the goal for this Phillies bullpen. That's what was supposed to happen. So. It was kind of fun to see, you know, Alvarado, Kimbrel, Sir Anthony, and Soto all mm-hmm. have success today like that. Um, so, yeah, and, and surprised to see Gregory Soto kind of on this list for swing and strike rate. I know he's always had big time stuff, but the swing, the the swings and misses never really were there in Detroit. So, uh, this is this is good to see him at you know with twenty one point one percent swing and strike rate right now. I like to see that uh, Andrew Chafin is on here. I know we did, yeah. we already talked about him, but uh, I think I like the sort of unknown names on here. Number one for me, Alex Young, who's fourth on the list at 25.8% swing strike rate or 26.1, excuse me. He's pitching for the Reds. And what makes him interesting is not only that he's coming out of nowhere. I don't think there's many people you'd be able to quiz around you know, fantasy baseball that would know even what team this guy's on, let alone what hand he pitches with. He is a lefty, as a matter of fact. I know who he is, though, because he was on the mm-hmm. Giants last year. Um, he also pitched for the Guardians uh, for the first half of 2022 and the second half of 2021. So that's somewhat intriguing because it's a guy that was somewhat targeted by smart teams that are good at pitcher development. And that seems to be paying off this year. I think the Reds are sort of 
starting to figure out their pitching development. I know that they've had lots of ties to driveline and stuff, but it hasn't really paid off too well ever since Trevor Bauer left. Oh, oh shoot. Am I supposed to say his name? <laughs> um, but yeah, Alex Alex Young is pretty interesting because not only is he striking out a lot of guys, but he's having uh, a lot of success. He's getting a lot of swing and misses. I don't know if that parlays itself into any sort of save chances, but I think he is clearly the top left-handed pitcher in that bullpen. It's a pretty light bullpen, but I think he could definitely be like the top setup man there fighting with Lucas Sims to save game or to grab holds in front of Alexis Diaz. So that's pretty interesting. And I also think Keenan Middleton's pretty interesting as well. Um, He had a lot of potential before having Tommy John surgery. I feel like he had it, had a lot of injuries over the past few years. Uh, I just remember when he first came up with the angels that he was really good. And it's cool to see him now with the white socks that sort of have a weird bullpen right now. He's probably never going to get a save this season, but for holds leagues, that's an interesting guy to keep an eye on as a super dark horse holds candidate. Yeah, and one other name on this list that I'm going to just briefly mention, Brian Abreu at 14 to 20.3% swing strike rate. We keep talking about this Astro bullpen and the Ryan Presley struggles. I know we think that Montero is going to be the the leader to kind of take the job if Presley is injured, lose the job, etc., but keep an eye on Abreu. I think if you see him, we might show up on a, some of the other lists down the down the road. So keep an eye on that. He is the higher, kind of the high leverage guy, and seems to have the best stuff among the guys. So I think he's a a, a little bit of an under radar name that you know, could could emerge and maybe even take the job from Montero. So I'm interested in him from this point. So we'll continue on. I think at this point we'll go over to it's a K to walk percentage stuff plus and fastball velocity are three stats. I know you said it's just a guy who show on it show up. So Rick, we'll start with you. Any names from those lists that fully uh, stand out or kind of like you said the combination of the four rather than going uh, through them each one by one? Probably better to do it this way instead. Yeah, well, I think there's, I mean, looking at, I love, you know, K to walk rates. One of the first things I think that you can see, because that, like, as Jake said, you know, those, those percentages can stabilize pretty, pretty quickly compared to most. So, you know, Chafin's on there, Batista's on there, Alvarado. Uh, but it's also good to see, you know, Michael Fulmer's at the back end of this list at 34.5% K to walk rate. And Genesis Cabrera, who's always shown some potential and just, yeah. oh, I mean, Mm-hmm. He's just been I thought I, I was I had rolled him out as ever, you know, factoring back into the Cardinals bullpen, but he might be moving up on in that bullpen. Um and then yeah, good to see Nick Anderson back on this list. He's he hasn't walked anyone this year. Um yeah, then you know it, it's crazy that Jose Alvarado has not issued one walk this season. That's <laughs> that's some sort of I, I don't some sort of miracle and some, you know, somehow that, that that's happened. Yeah. I think he and Cabrera are are pretty similar in terms of what kind of pitcher they are and that they have crazy stuff that they're not really able to control. And so, I mean, we, we saw Alvarado's take a step forward last year because he's reduced the walk rate significantly. And now to see him striking out 70% of batters and walking, nobody is crazy. But for Genesis Cabrera, that was a guy that was, being sent to the minors because he mm-hmm. literally could not hit the zone. And now the fact that he's walked nobody, I don't know if that's like he's finally figured something out or if he's just throwing everything in the zone. But I think that could be huge for him. 
unfortunately, he's probably not going to be getting any saves, but that, that's pretty crazy because he's a guy that strikes out a lot of batters and to see him walk nobody is pretty wild. And same can be said for like Nick Anderson, who as much as he may be uh, a villain in, in some people's eyes that are friends with uh, Yancey Eaton, uh, he's been really good this year. And he was a guy that was sort of one of the best relievers in baseball when he first came over to the Rays. And after a couple of years of being injured to see him go to Atlanta, that's pretty good with relievers. He's finally looking like himself again. And with that bullpen sort of hit with injuries right now with missing Rysel Iglesias and uh, uh, aren't they missing somebody else? Um, Colin McHugh, I know is rehabbing. Yes. Yes, exactly. So he's become like the number one setup guy there. And that's pretty interesting that it's not just because of necessity, but also because he's pitching super well. Yeah, name to monitor at this point. And we have some development on that. I know Rizal Glacius has begun a throwing program. Colin McHugh is starting a rehab assignment. But like you said, Wave Nick Anderson's throwing. He's earned that job, earned that job to be up there. And another guy in saves, holds, leagues, and you just want to improve your ratios. I think that's a, a name to circle that's kind of uh, emerging and really has not had any helium throughout the early part of the season. So he's definitely a name that I'm circling based on uh, this early uh, monitoring. Any other two numbers that we, we, we've we liked to monitor? It's Stuff Plus from Eno Saris. This one, I'm curious how it's going to stabilize because it is a pretty new... Uh, pretty new one but it's definitely interesting some guys who stand out for us Reynaldo Lopez at nine is really fun to see because I know we really would like Reynaldo Lopez Griffin Jacks at number one is not something I expected or all Chapman at number two is just a uh, nice nice punch to the gut <laughs> to see him uh, throwing well for a team that's not the New York Yankees of all the uh, injuries we've had to our pitching staff but that's for another day pete fairbanks our boy makes the list at number 11 so always fun to see him and you got the usual candidates felix bautista who's been on every single one of these lists so far so just a reminder of how really good he is and emmanuel class at five but anything jump out for you i know we've kind of ran through a lot of names but any standouts in terms of uh, stuff plus um well it's good to see presley on this list you know if all the struggles brian presley at you know, 137 stuff plus, same as Felix Batista. Um, that's good to see. And I, it's only 1.1 inning, but Robert Stevenson's always been someone who has intrigued me as a, as a reliever. Um, again, 1.1 innings, but seeing him at four of a 149 stuff plus, uh, that's that's interesting. It's, you know, he's in that Pittsburgh bullpen now. Um, Colin Holderman's kind of stepped up to be, David Bednar's top setup option. So, there, but but beyond those two, you know, there's definitely room for holds potentially. Um, so Steven Stevenson kind of creeping back onto that holds mix potentially for me. Yeah. So I I looked it up and it looks like stuff plus stabilizes around 80 pitches, which oh. is that's like really fast. That's uh, I don't know if you think somebody's throwing like 15 pitches per relief outing then they that can stabilize across six outings. So uh, that's that's really fast. Um, mm-hmm. So the fact that Griffin Jacks is number one is bonkers to me because, I mean, you guys are mentioning good names on there, but the fact that almost everybody else on this list with a reasonable sample size are some of the best relievers in baseball, Chapman, Helsley, Class A, Munoz, Bautista, Presley, Fairbanks, 
and the fact that Jax is above all of them, I feel like that says something. There, there, there's something going on with him. He was really good last year, and I think he's taken another step forward this year. And I, he's a name to definitely keep an eye on. It's going to be tough for him to take over that that role from Yohan Duran. I'm surprised he's not higher on this list with how good his stuff is. But I mean that that Twins bullpen is looking really good. And I think Jax is going to really steal that that second in line role in Minnesota because he's pitched so well and because his stuff looks so good. But that's that's pretty wild that he's like the number one stuff plus pitcher in baseball. I don't think anybody like you, you could just ask some random person in, on the pitcher list discord right now. Like I, I, I'm going to do this for <laughs> baseball trivia, uh, yep. uh, the, the discord channel and see if anybody gets it. And uh, I'll report back the the findings, but I think it's going to take a while for people to guess Griffin Jacks. Look, after I fail and who's that closer, I might have to just get it right. First try, just lose my <laughs> ego a little bit. But we talked about him last week as just he kind of was coming in before Jorge Lopez or after Jorge Lopez in a lot of situations being the eighth inning guy. So he's he said he's getting, you know, it wouldn't surprise me. He's almost there in terms of taking that uh, that next guy up role. So if he's out there and you're safe, plus holds lead. the twins are a good team. Although they're trying to possibly blow this game in the 10th against the Red Sox as we're recording this. But now I, I think he's definitely a name. Like I said, monitor, add. There's a lot of good stuff there, and it's, it's definitely interesting. And the final one, fastball velocity is just a, always fun to look at. It's crazy seeing a Roldis Chapman back to averaging 99 miles per hour for his fastball. Talk about Johan Duran. He's actually number one at 101.5. That is a very fast. Any other standouts in terms of uh, fastball velocity or something that's a uh, Someone you're circling as a, a watch list guy, just based on a on that fact. Uh, um, there's, I mean, these are all the usual, mostly the usual suspects here. Um, you know, it's good to see Brash up here, I guess, with these guys. Given how good we know how good his breaking ball is, so to see his velocity, you know, second around ninety seven, ninety eight. That's, uh, you know, just makes me even more more of a, you know deadly reliever um yeah i mean some young names on here too like gregory santos was kind of a relief prospect at one yeah. point seeing him here carlos vargas i know he got sent down but there's still good bright future for him as well so uh yeah pretty pretty good list of um names to keep an eye on definitely the, the, we talked about this in the uh, beginning of the off season about how good fastball velocity is good is that for how well fastball velocity indicates good relievers there we go uh speaking english sometimes <laughs> difficult it's, it's um <laughs> yeah uh nonetheless i there there are some good names i think santos that was a good call he's averaging 99.1 right now he sort of gives me bruce Gratterall vibes and that he's never been like a big strikeout arm save for like one small sample with the giants in the minor leagues and the major leagues across like how many innings is that four innings was the only time he's ever been above 10 K per nine. So he sort of gives me those vibes in that he like has really good velocity, but doesn't have the strikeout stuff. I was surprised to see Carlos Vargas of the diamondbacks go down uh, because he throws so hard. So that's somebody to keep an eye on when he comes back up. If the diamondbacks don't ever settle on a closer there, and uh, outside of that, I'm a guy that we've sort of talked about a lot, Carlos Hernandez, to see him at 10th on the list, averaging 98.8, 
pretty cool. And the fact that we don't have too much faith in Scott Barlow right now and that Chapman, you know, I don't know, something could happen at any point with him. Not sure what, but uh, off the field, on the field, you never know. I think he's like a very good dark horse to not only be a really good reliever this year, but to somehow take over saves in Kansas City. I mean, that could be like a second half thing, to be completely honest, where it's like either Barlow falls off or he and or Chapman both get traded at the deadline, then I think Carlos Hernandez would be the first one up in that role if he continues to premiere that level of, that level of velocity. Just ignore the Tuesday outing, which you have five. I was, was going to say. That's a blip oh, no. on the radar screen. <laughs> I didn't see that. He, he left uh, five hits and five runs without getting it out today. Oh, gosh. Oh, We're going to no. ignore it well, because that's what we, yeah. we do here. But It never happened. No. It's a blip on the blip on the screen, but I, I really do like Carlos Hernandez. You guys have actually really intrigued me with him. I he was not someone who was fully on my radar, but you guys talking about. I know Nick was a fan of him when he was potentially starting games for the Royals. So another name you want to circle, put on your watch list. There's a lot that can be changed in Kansas City, and uh, someone I'm definitely gonna monitor. But we're gonna take another break here on in the pen. We get back. We're gonna play who's that closer? See if Jake can stump us for a second week in a row, or if we can finally get it. And then we'll dive into a brief mailbag just to wrap up the show. But all that on the in the pen podcast. All right, it's time for another edition of everybody's new favorite game. Who's who's that closer? Jake's gonna to give us some clues about a potential closer and see if Rick and I can get just based on a almost like a like you said a ref guess match uh, not match game a dating game sort of style and uh, we'll see if uh, Rick and I can do better than we did last week all right yeah I'll uh, I, I tried to add a, a few more indicating factors but I, I still think it's gonna be a little bit difficult so we'll uh we'll kick it off with uh, the closer he was drafted by the Orioles in the 19th round of the 2012 draft out of a high school in Maryland. No. All right. Mm. <laughs> uh, he debuted in June of 2017. So he's somewhat of a, a recent pitcher. Nothing. Nothing. All right. He's, he's a Southpaw. He pitches with his left hand. Mm. No, that helps somewhat. <laughs> it does. But yeah, that that probably cuts it in it half could, at least. Yeah. Um, okay. Here's one that I think is going to be uh, a key one. So obviously he pitched for the Orioles in the minor leagues because he was drafted by them, but he also pitched for the Astros and the, and the Brewers in the minor leagues. I know who it is. I think, I, I, think yeah. I might know who it is. Too. All right. Well, hold on. Wait, hold oh, on. Oh, yeah. Hold on because I want to run through the rest of the, the hints so that anybody listening uh, who hasn't gotten it can play along. This pitcher was a four-time all-star a three-time National League Reliever of the Year award winner. He was seventh in National League Cy Young Award voting in 2018. His black ink includes 13 saves recorded in 2020, which led the National League. He's got 136 career saves and a 2.68 career ERA, and he is an active reliever. All right. (laughs) Um, Since you guys both think you know, say it at the same time. One, two, three. It's Josh Josh Hader. There we go. Good job. Good job. That was easier than last week. Huh? That was, yeah, that was a little bit easier. I mean, when you say debuted in 2017, Southpaw, and then, yeah, I mean, those teams also gave it away, but then the next clue, four-time All-Star, yeah. it's like, all right, there's only, you know, 
debuting in 2017. There's only a couple there's guys. Nobody, I don't know if there's anybody else that would uh, match that criteria. Yeah. yeah. I was trying to remember what trade brought Hader t- from uh, Houston to Milwaukee. I couldn't remember how he got to Houston, and I still can't remember off the top of my head. But as soon as I saw Houston-Milwaukee, I'm like, wait. It's a good he question. was in a trade, too, and now I'm going to filibuster to get to that. But definitely interesting. Hopefully, I wonder if anybody got it. to it. Let's hear it. Oh, wait. No, this is when the, the Astros acquired him from the Orioles for Bud Norris. All right. Bud That's not Norris. Bud Norris. That's a... Yeah, that's a, that's a name. Wasn't he a um, closer at one point? Didn't he have some like a point where he was like getting <laughs> saves for somebody? I think he did I think yeah? I think that's oh. yeah, I think yeah. All right, and then he got traded to the Brewers for Carlos Gomez and yeah. Mike Fires. Oh, oh okay. my, yeah. And the Brewers also got Brett Phillips, Domingo Santana, and Adrian Hauser. Mm. Hmm. So that's an interesting trade because you get the uh, the trash can banging. Uh, <laughs> guy well uh, i don't know how to put it the the guy who outed them and then uh yeah i don't know carlos gomez is a, is a hot topic <laughs> oh yeah yeah that's for sure but interesting name you know we have a definitely easier than last week but oh uh, yeah a interesting one nonetheless so we'll wrap up with a little bit of mailbag not as many questions but as always if you're looking to hit us up directly to get some questions. You can join our Discord on PitcherList.com. Join PL Plus, PL Pro. You get to ask uh, questions to not just us, but any podcast that does mailbags or just direct access to the entire staff to talk baseball. Throughout the season, we started implementing some live chats. I actually hosted one on Tuesday. They were recording this, mainly answering questions about relievers, but it's a great way to, you know, you have fancy questions, got staff who are willing to answer them. So definitely worth it it's a great community of people so we'll start out with a question from our discord member little piranha who the question was shared by another member alex sawchenk i believe is how you pronounce the last name if i butchered it Close i apologize enough. yeah if i butchered <laughs> it i apologize but i have a last name elslager so i'm used to last names being butchered we talked about it kind of at length at the beginning of the show the oakland situation with danny jimenez going on the il let's just reiterate is there a favorite in Oakland? I know it's we're kind of leaning Zach Jackson, but you know, has the needle changed at any point? Are we still on the Zach Jackson bandwagon? If there even was is one, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm pulling up his picture list just to give me even more confidence in saying that. Um, make sure to go check out picture list player pages. They're probably the best player pages out there or at least the nicest looking. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's the guy I'm going with. He still walks too many guys, but he does strike out more than 30% of guys and he's been doing a good job at limiting hard contact. And I don't, I don't even think he has to be that good to be better than the rest of that bullpen. <laughs> Yeah, if you're in, I'm sorry, I got sidetracked by the end of this Red Sox game, which has been crazy. Um, I don't know what's going on, but yeah, if you're in deeper AL leagues, I sure. But other than that, you know, he's just a watch guy for now. But he's clearly the best arm in that bullpen at the current, you know, current time. Yep, we'll sweep it. I think Zach Jackson's a fine name if you're in a deep league, but if you're in a ten to twelve team league and you're just looking for saves. I'm not touching it. I wouldn't bother. But if you're desperate for saves, take a shot and be ready to move on very, very quickly. And I'm not just saying take a shot on a Zach Jackson. I'm also taking, saying take a shot of alcohol because you're trusting Zach Jackson <laughs> to get you saves. And the final question is from Justin Redler. 
who do you think? The, how do you think the Yankee bullpen shakes out? Clay Holmes had a couple shaky outings of late, um, including a, a rough one his last time out. I believe it was against the. No, he almost blew a save against the Guardians, and I'm blanking on who they played. Right, before, the Twins. He had an outing which he gave up a couple runs in the ninth inning. So, how do you think this situation turns out? If Clay Holmes, guys, that we've kind of talked about it, is there a next man up we like most in New York? I'm hoping, still hoping for Michael King to come back and be, you know, the guy there. It's good to see Jonathan Wiseaga kind of. Um, he, he started throwing again, so that's, that's some good news there. But uh, until he returns, I mean, you already got Conley out, you got Trevino out. It's it's really, I I, I think it's only King as the next man up in. You know, Marinaccio might work his way in there, but I think he's better. He's more of a, you know, the old Chad Green role for him. So, yeah, I, I still like Michael King as a stash at this point. I agree. I, I don't know if they trust Marinaccio yet. I mean, he, he just hasn't pitched in the majors that long, but he has been striking out batters like crazy so far this year. He's at a 47.8%. So basically 48% strikeout rate. That's really good. And uh, Wandy Peralta is also pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. I think he's yeah. a guy that they've trusted a lot go ahead yeah i was gonna i was gonna mention him but the only thing with him is again it's like he's the only lefty there that yeah they have so yeah so that's fair so I, i'd agree with king he's got a 10 to 1 strikeout to walk ratio he started off the year a little shaky but since then he's been really good uh, i just want to double check to see what his he's got a scoreless inning streak going it's not like super long but yeah, he started the season off allowing two earned runs in his first outing and then since then it's been eight innings of no earned run ball with seven hits allowed and seven strikeouts to no walk. So yeah, that's pretty comforting. I I, I think he's probably the the next man up, but I, I love that he's able to go multiple innings right now. So definitely something to keep an eye on, but yeah, I, I think it's going to take a little more for Holmes to lose his role, but King's probably the first guy up. Yeah. Just a note for Wandy Prata. He's actually, we talked about the standouts. He's 15th in swing strike percentage. If there's a stretch where the Yankees have a bunch of guys that are opposing hitters have a bunch of guys that are lefty, it wouldn't shock me if Aaron Boone goes to Wandy Peralta for that over Michael King if Holmes doesn't lose the job. So I think Peralta is intriguing. But. They've turned to him in the past a couple times, right? For saves, yeah. I feel yeah. So yeah, there's some there's some history there that wouldn't be surprising. Postseason against the Guardians, they use him in all five games in the ALDS. So clearly, it's a guy that Boone trusts in high leverage. The lefty part is concerned. Is a concern. I ultimately hope and think Clay Holmes will figure things out. And I'm saying this is an optimistic Yankee fan, so maybe I'm a bit biased to this situation, but I think he'll figure it out. But Peralta and King would be this. I would agree with you guys. Those are the guys who will uh, step up. I'll keep an eye on the wise ago when he makes his way back, but who knows when's that going to be? It is an elbow soreness. So, you know, you never know, but it's nice to see that he's throwing. So before we wrap up, we'll ask the final questions we always do what's something you're watching for going into this coming week is something situation you're monitoring a player you're monitoring want to see over the next uh, week for uh you know making a final this uh, next uh, decision on them i want to see and i don't know if he pitched today but i want to see that ryan presley is alive and able to in the in the astros bullpen because you know it's it's just it's someone that should be you know one of the top relievers in baseball and i just want to you know see where he's at and stop worrying so presley 
Um, for sure. So the game's still in the eighth inning, so he might come in, in the ninth. All right. Um, yeah, it's Montero pitch the eighth. Okay. So other than that, it's you know seeing Daniel Bard return. Hopefully, mm-hmm. you know seeing him take over the closer role again, and and hopefully have some success there. Because it's still you know for as much as we were down on him, it, he's still a guy who is the closer, and there's no question marks. There's no you know, committee questions. So that that's still that's helpful in a lot of leagues where you need saves, where you you, you know if the Rockies have a lead, they're going to turn to Bard in the ninth. So uh, that'll be good to see. And then, yeah, I guess the other one other thing is the Cubs situation now that Hughes is mm-hmm. back. Just seeing seeing if there's a, a committee approach here. If Fulmer gets the next try, um, that's it's going to be pretty big to see who who uh, gets the next couple save chances there. Yeah, totally agree. I think uh, <clears throat> I'll be watching the Cubs situation most intently just because not only do I have a lot of shares of Fulmer, but I there's lots of options in that bullpen, and I'd like to see how it sort of shakes out uh, who who is for real and who's not and sort of where Brandon Hughes ends up in that bullpen. So I, I just have a lot of faith in, in Fulmer pulling that off, so I sort of want to not only be proven right, but also <laughs> uh, j- just have some security with the, the guys on my team. Uh, and also with uh, Pete Fairbanks, I you know I just want to see him pitch. Yeah, that's always fun. I'll take one for the team and try and watch some games in Oakland and see if we can find any sort of a answer to the question that's been asked a lot. But let's face it, it's the A's, so we might get one save opportunity over the next week, and it might not even go to one of those guys we're mentioning because this is Oakland and there's not a lot to watch. But We'd like to know if there's a stable answer, so I'll be keeping an eye on that one closely. And all the ones you guys said, you took probably what, what I would have added, so glad to see we're on all on the same page here. But before we wrap up, you guys want to just plug your Twitters, where we can find you, find any of our work on PitchList, and uh, anything else you're working on before we wrap up. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at I am Rick Graham. Um, still, you know, working on the closer ranks, holds ranks, saves plus hold ranks each week. Um. Yeah, just grinding away with those. Yes, sir. You can follow me at Jake Crumpler. Uh, that's Crumpler with a C. And I'm always writing articles for pitcher lists, mostly the reliever ranks, but I do some one-off articles. I've got one that I'm planning on writing next week about Graham Ashcraft. So if you're interested in that, I'll be doing a, a deep breakdown, a deep dive on Ashcraft, and uh, I'll probably have some more gift breakdowns coming out as well. Yeah, you can find me at Callan underscore Elsleger. I'm not doing much writing outside of this podcast, um, but I am, the, as I mentioned before, pitcher, the Pitcherless Discord. We're starting to do some live chats weekly. I'm hopefully going to be continuing to get into that rotation. So if you have specific questions, this one was more centric on reliever. That's, I guess our, it's our niche since we do a podcast weekly about relievers, but I am available to answer other questions about that. But So I'll probably be pretty active in those live chats and hopefully getting to a routine of once a, once a week, once every week, something like that, of a hosting a live chat, answering any, any fancy questions. But we will have someone on staff all seven days of the week doing a, uh, a live chat. So very fun stuff there. And if you're listening, you know this, but find all of this work and more on PitcherList.com. That's going to do it for this episode of In the Pen. I am Callan, joined with Rick and with Jake, and we'll see you next week.